Good evening and welcome once again to another episode of the Friday Night Parkdale Special. I'm your host Joyrider coming to you live from the Dollhouse in downtown Toronto with my feline co-hosts Chatty G, Silent J, and Floofmaster Toby. And this is episode 118. Every Monday I find myself thinking about the happy Mondays, grumbling to myself, what's so happy about them? This Monday, I went to Google a Happy Monday song and found out that Paul Ryder, the bassist, had passed away last Friday. While the Mondays don't have enough material to do an entire show on, it got me thinking about Madchester, the scene that the Mondays were a part of, and really, the originators of. To understand Madchester, it's worth taking a look at the context in which the sound was born. As we talked about in episode 65, Manchester was a poor blue-collar town in the 60s and 70s, and that was part of why Detroit Soul did so well there, culminating in the northern soul scene. Manchester didn't have the cachet that London or Liverpool did, but that didn't stop them from producing a number of amazing bands. Joy Division, who would become New Order after the death of Ian Curtis, and The Smiths were both massive Manchester acts, and New Order, with Factory Records owner Tony Wilson, opened up the Hacienda in Manchester in May of 1982. The Hacienda was ground zero for musical movements like the Acid House scene, and later, Madchester. The term Madchester came from another Factory Records staffer, Philip Shotton. The sound came into being in 1988, but the term didn't exist until 1989. Interestingly, many of the key Madchester bands had been around since the early 1980s. The Stone Roses, for example, formed in 1983, and the Happy Mondays formed in 1980. In Spiral Carpets and James, two other big Madchester acts, formed in 1983 and 1982 respectively, and 808 State came a bit later in 1987. What really kicked things into gear was the sudden appearance of MDMA in the scene. A night out at a club, according to author David Haslam, went from being a great night out to an intense, life-changing experience. Where things get more complex is when you try to define the Madchester sound and who played what. The post-punk scene of the early 1980s spawned a number of bands, some of who played shoegaze exclusively, but others who would usually be dubbed shoegaze, but had a few Madchester-style tracks as well. Early Blur managed to straddle that line, oddly enough. And Madchester was often tucked under the broader umbrella of Baggy, a genre label that included bands from Manchester as well as bands with the Madchester sound who came from cities like Liverpool. Madchester bands who weren't from Manchester were also known as Scally. Madchester, Baggy, Scally, all of those would set the stage in the early 1990s for Britpop. The name Baggy was a reference to the fashions the fans wore. Flares, bucket hats, baggy shirts, a lot of styles that would have been popular during the Woodstock era, and things that could be found cheaply in charity shops. Remember, Manchester wasn't a well-off town. Aspects of baggy fashion could also be traced back to Northern Seoul. One of the guys who'd been part of the Wigan scene would show up from time to time to sell kids vintage flares. The flares weren't just bell-bottom jeans that you'd buy from a store. Kids would also take straight leg jeans, open up the seam of the outer leg, and insert triangles of fabric to make them into flares. You could open up the leg to the knee if you wanted them to be bells, or you could go all the way up to the hip if you wanted to make them really baggy. Heavier fabrics were better. 
but there were some wild throwback pattern fabrics around at that time and we used those too even though they were kind of thin and didn't really hold the leg shape well I say we because I definitely did this too. After the skin-tight jeans of the 80s, baggy pants were a huge relief. The baggier the better in my mind. I should clarify something here. At the time, there was no internet, not in the way we know it now. Trends took ages to cross the globe. Something that was cool in the UK in 1989 wouldn't make it to the States until 1990, and it would be another year before something that was cool in the States would make it into Canada. We were always a bit behind. It started to speed up a bit as cable packages began to carry MTV, back when they actually played music, and it caught on a little faster with the advent of much music, but it was by no means as fast as today, where something can go viral worldwide in a matter of days and weeks. So where I was, we were still wearing skin-tight jeans into 1990, and it wasn't until early 1991 that I started sewing flares into my jeans. That's also how in 1993, when I went to see 808 State for the first time, I was wearing a mixture of grunge and baggy fashions. But back then, it didn't really seem to matter too much what you wore to a rave. The vintage, secondhand DIY aesthetic made it easy. In addition to the fashion, Baggy and Madchester can also attribute some of their sound to the northern soul scene. The drumbeat from Funky Drummer played a huge role. And that's where we're going to start tonight with a listen to James Brown's Funky Drummer parts one and two. Thank you. 
more time, I want to give the drummer some of this funky soul we got here. You don't have to do no soloing, brother. Just keep what you got. Don't turn it loose, because it's a mother. When I count to four, I want everybody to lay out and let the drummer go. And when I count to four, I want you to come back in. <laughs> it's in my collar. Uh, I got the holler. I said it's in my feet. Uh, feels so sweet. It's in my shape. Good God. Uh, about to wake me to death. It's in my shape. You're about to wake me to death. It's in my shape.
drummer. The funky drummer. Just lay out and let this funky drummer take it out. One, two, three, four, the funky drummer. The beat in the funky drummer is at about the same level as the Amen break in terms of the amount that it's been sampled over the years. So much so that I should really do an episode or three on it. As a reminder, Clyde Stubblefield, the funky drummer in question, was never given a credit for his work on that song and thus never got any royalties for it. He did have a fruitful career in spite of that, though, and ended up playing Fight the Power with Chuck D and the Roots on the Jimmy Fallon Show in 2011, a song which had initially been created with samples of Clyde's iconic beats. The Happy Mondays got signed to Factory Records in 1985 after passing a demo to one of the Hacienda's DJs, Mike Pickering. They released two EPs that year and put out their first full-length album titled Squirrel and G-Man 24-Hour Party People Plastic Face Can't Smile Whiteout. Yeah, that's all one title. In 1987, they had three more albums and the production of that final album would be what bankrupted factory records. The story is messy as hell, and I understand that a fair bit of it is fictionalized in the movie 24 Hour Party People, should you be interested in getting into the details. From that first full-length album, this is 24 Hour Party People. Should you be in here watch 
Like the Happy Mondays, the Stone Roses also formed in the early 80s and had their first gig in 1984 supporting Pete Townsend. In March of 1985, they played their new song, I Want to Be Adored, on Piccadilly Radio. They put out a few singles, but didn't get a lot of traction until they opened for James in 1988. In the audience that night, the brothers Gallagher, aged 21 and 16, both of whom later said they were inspired by that show to put a band together. In 1989, their first and only full-length album worth mentioning was released, and the release of Fool's Gold as a single was what rocketed them to fame. While the shuffle beat wasn't as pronounced in the last song we listened to, you'll definitely hear it in Fool's Gold. We're going to listen to an edited version, though, because the full version, while fantastic, is over nine minutes long, and I've got way more stuff to play for you. This is the Stone Roses Fool's Gold.
Although with our first two bands, we've listened to tracks from their first album, with this next band, if we were to go back to their first album, it would take us into the early 80s, and that is not where we want to be tonight. Blue Monday was the track that many will point to as being the beginning of the Acid House sound. And there are those who might argue that, but there is no arguing that Blue Monday was definitely the track that connected New Order to the Acid House scene and brought it into the Hacienda, where it exploded. As we've heard Blue Monday on this show a couple of times in the past, I would rather skip ahead to the album that followed it. The album that they put together that was inspired by all of the stuff that was going on at the time was actually Technique, which came out in 89. From that album, this is Fine Time. I'm 
Next, we have one from another major act that was part of the Manchester scene. In Spiral Carpets had had two demo albums prior to their first major label album. There was Cow, and then there was Dung 4. Their first major label album came out in April of 1990, and it was called Life. From the album Life, this is the In Spiral Carpets, This Is How It Feels. Nothing 
next we have one from James, another band, as I said, who were a major part of the Madchester scene. They formed in 1982. The band is actually named for one of the members, Jim Glennie, and they put out an EP in 1983 on Factory Records. From one of their later albums, this is a song that really took off, and this is a remix by Flood, who, if you're a Depeche Mode fan, the name will be familiar. This is James' Come Home, the Flood Mix. It's that time again when I lose my friends, go walk about. I've got the bends from pressure. This is a testing time when the choice is mine. Am I a
up next, we have another from one of the big Madchester acts, one that I am a huge fan of. 808 State formed, as I said, in 1987, and they were originally three members, Martin Price, Graham Massey, and Gerald Simpson. However, Gerald ended up leaving after they released their first album, New Build, and went on to work as a guy called Gerald. But we'll get to that in a moment. From 808 State's first album, this is Pacific State.
From there, as I said, Gerald Simpson ended up going solo, and he did so under the name a guy called Gerald. His big single came out in 1988, and it was called Voodoo Ray. Let's take a listen to that now.
It's worth noting that Gerald Simpson ended up being one of the progenitors of Jungle, later known as Drum and Bass. That is a story for another time, though. Everything we've listened to so far is part of the first wave of Madchester, and now we're going to take a listen to some of the second wave material. The bands that we've listened to so far formed in the earlier part of the 80s. The bands of the second wave tended to have gotten together in the latter half of the 1980s. The Charlatans formed in 1988, and they were also associated with the Manchester scene, though their sound was a little bit different. They include among their roots the Stranglers and the Doors, but also a little bit of 60s soul, some R&B, and Joy Division. The bassist, Martin Blunt, who was really the founder of the band, said that their forming during the Acid House scene made them sound like the Spencer Davis group on E. From their first album, this is The Charlatans, The Only One I Know.
The next band we're going to listen to actually initially formed in 1985, but broke up and reformed in 1986, and then broke up again and reformed a third time in 1989, and this was the version that stuck. They were probably best known for a cover they did of the Rolling Stones song, She's a Rainbow, but I found a really interesting little tidbit that I wanted to share, and that changed which song I decided to play. Although World of Twist never played in North America, it turned out that one of their songs was a big club hit in Toronto and New York, to a point where Oasis actually considered naming themselves after this song. Let's take a listen to World of Twist's Sons of the Stage.
Another of the second wave Madchester bands was New Fast Automatic Daffodils, who took their name from a Mercy Beat poem written in the late 60s or early 70s by Adrian Henry. From their first album, which came out in 1990, this is New Fast Automatic Daffodils Big.
The next band we're going to hear from only released one album, in large part because the label they were on, Factory Records, went out of business before the second album could be released. They did end up releasing their second album eventually, just about two years ago, on Bandcamp. From their first album, Chicken Rhythms, which came out in 1991, this is Northside and their song, Take Five. While this next band wasn't on Factory Records, they met the same fate that some of the bands on Factory did, in that by the time that they were ready to release their second album, they lost their label contract. The members of this next band were regulars at the Hacienda, and that was their connection to the scene. 
This is Paris Angels and the loved up remix of their second single, Perfume.
Something about the sound of that song really reminds me of Jesus Jones' song, Magazine. But I digress. Up next, we've got a song from a band that is more accurately called Baggy, given that they formed in Liverpool. The Farm started out in 1983 and were together until the mid-90s. They reformed in 2004 and are apparently still playing music. This next track is from their first major label release, which came out in 1991. This is The Farm's Groovy Train. So special 
Our next act up also falls into the baggy category rather than Madchester strictly. This is because they were formed in Camden Town, London in 1989, so very much part of that second wave. Here too, the end of the band is a sad story and in fact, sadder than most. In this case, it wasn't so much of a label failure as it was heroin related. Two of the members actually ended up dying of heroin overdoses in the aughts. From 1991, this is Flowered Up's It's On.
The next band we're going to hear from actually formed in 1985, but it wasn't until 1990 that they got some success with this track that we're going to listen to next. They really didn't do well beyond this one song, but it had a longevity that was kind of surprising. It ended up being used in a Vodafone campaign in 2002 and 2003, and as a result of that, Norman Cook ended up doing a remix of it, which brought them back into the charts. From 1991, this is the Mock Turtles' Can You Dig It? You are 
One of the ways in which they were tied to the Manchester scene was through a festival in June of 1991, the Midsummer Day's Dream at the Milton Keynes Bowl. The bill featured 808 State, The Shaman, Paris Angels, Flowered Up, and the Mock Turtles. That would have been quite a day. Up next, we have one from the Honey Turtles, and it's interesting that turtles keep making an appearance. I don't know why that is. Is it because of the band, the Turtles, from the 60s, and they're drawing on that ethos, or is it just something in the water? I don't know. Honey Turtles are of the Manchester scene, but they're not exactly from Manchester. They're actually closer to Wolverhampton, which is technically closer to Liverpool and Manchester than it is London, but still it's probably fairer to say that they count more as baggy than anything else. This was their one big single. This is the Honey Turtles, Don't You Know. Open your eyes There's no one up who won't 
I forgot to mention that part of the reason that the honey turtles got the notice that they did was because they were an opening act for the charlatans. And listening to that song, you can really hear why. They have a very similar sound. Up next, we have one from Blur. Blur formed in 1988, but their first album didn't come out until 1991. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, their first album, Leisure, incorporated a little bit of Manchester and a little bit of shoegaze. While Blur is technically baggy, they also form the beginnings of Britpop and one half of the major chart rivalry of Britpop, the other half being Oasis, of course. And at the time, if you were into that genre at all, you had to pick a side. I was a blur girl. Damon Albarn was hot, Liam Gallagher was whiny, and the Gallagher brothers just seemed like the kind of guys who would huff their own farts. They were always getting into trouble on airplanes and in hotels, and seemed like they had bought into their own hype. Damon seemed approachable, and also his girlfriend was super cool. Elastica was awesome, but I digress. From Blur's first album, Leisure, this is There's No Other Way.
Justine. That was her name. I had the Elastica Bob for a while in the 90s. That was what we called Justine's haircut. It was an angled bob and it looked really cool. I loved it. Up next, we have one from Supergroup Electronic. And although they are not necessarily Madchester, it's almost impossible to not include them given that Bernard Sumner of New Order was one of the main members. Johnny Marr of the Smiths was the other. For the first album, they were also joined by Neil Tennant and Chris Lowe of the Pet Shop Boys. From that first self-titled album, Electronic, which came out in 1991, this is Get the Message.
Up next we have one from a band that had actually formed in the early 80s, but they got introduced to Acid House in 1988. And in the course of their attending raves, they ended up meeting Andrew Weatherall, a DJ at the time, who actually passed away a couple years ago. And they gave him a copy of their song, I'm Losing More Than I'll Ever Have. And he ended up doing a remix of it using a bootleg remix of Edie Burkell's What I Am, a sample from a song called Terraplane Blues, and a sample from a Peter Fonda movie called The Wild Angels. They liked it so much that they ended up releasing it as a new song called Loaded, and it would become their first major hit. This also encouraged them to get Andrew Weatherall to do the production on their next album called Screamadelica. And the next single that was released from that album was called Come Together. This is the Terry Farley 7-inch remix of Primal Scream's Come Together.
That speech that you hear sampled throughout that song is one that gets sampled a fair bit. I can think of at least two, if not three or four, different trance tracks that I have on vinyl that use that speech. It's actually a speech by Jesse Jackson that was released on Stax Records in 1973. So around this time, the stuff that was coming out was starting to get a bit derivative. Some bands were forming simply to jump on the bandwagon and take advantage of the popularity of Manchester and Baggy, and others who had formed prior to this point were adjusting their sound to capitalize on the phenomenon. The Soup Dragons were definitely accused of this. Their first album, This Is Our Art, was a lot more rock-oriented. Their second album, Love God, which came out in 1991, was substantially different than their first. Absolutely capitalizing on Baggy, and I say Baggy as opposed to Manchester because they were out of Scotland. The lead track from the album, I'm Free, was actually a cover of a Rolling Stone song. So, from the Soup Dragons, this is I'm Free. Don't be afraid of your freedom. Cause I'm free to do what I 
for a long time. Every time I moved into a new apartment and set up my stereo, that was the first song I played once my stereo was set up. In more recent years, the test song has been Mike Oldfield's Let There Be Light, the hard floor remix, because, you know, subwoofer. Our last song for the night comes to us from one of the worst culprits for the bandwagon jumping. This has actually been said to be possibly one of the worst songs to come out of the Manchester scene. I don't hate it, but I'll let you make up your own minds. This is Candy Flip's cover of The Beatles' Strawberry Fields Forever.
I always thought that cover was kind of cute. But that's our show for tonight. Thanks so much for tuning in. It's always a pleasure to have you share some of your week with me. And locals, don't forget that Rachel A. Rosen's Cascade has two release parties coming up. One on Friday, July 29th at Glad Day Books at 6 p.m. And the second one is on Sunday, July 31st at the Imperial Pub at 4 p.m. If you'd like to support the show, go to the FNPS.com. All the social media links are at the top right of the page, including my coffee link and the show's Patreon link. Patrons get access to my scratch pad, which has a lot of stuff on it these days, as well as early notice of bonus shows and some fun merch, as well as access to the private brown bag Wednesday's stream. Don't even ask me how the tower is going. I haven't had time to troubleshoot the build. Whether short-term or long-term support, your coins help me pay for hosting, streaming, and G's treats, and new tunes to keep the show both on the air and fresh. There's also a suggestion box on the site, so if you have show ideas, drop them in there. We look forward to hearing them. As always, be well and stay safe, and we'll see you next week. Have a good one.